waited for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her first son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Man, the Christmas story. I mean, we've heard it over and over and over so many times in our lives, haven't we? Today, I want you to maybe hear something different that you haven't thought about before, and I just want you to open your hearts up a little bit. Think about what the Christmas story is really about. If you've got your Bibles, lift them up this morning. Say, this is my Bible. Every word in it is true. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I'll be taught God's word. It's his truth transforming every part of my life. And I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, there's one word in that statement of faith that we make every week that, that stuck out to me today is transforming. You know, transform means to be changed, doesn't it? It means things are different than they were before. And that's really what Christmas is. Christmas was a transformational date. Up to this point, everything was one way, and then Christmas hits, and then everything's different from that day forward. Have you ever thought about when we read the Christmas story that Jesus was born in, in, in a barn? He was born in a barn because there was no room for them in the end. He was born in a stable. Uh, how many of you have ever been around a barn and livestock? Let me see your hands. You know, almost everybody in the room, we've all been around livestock, cattle, and all those other things. I want you to know that God had a messy plan for Christmas. God had a messy plan for Christmas. Christmas is a little different than what you would think. I want you to imagine for a moment that you're in heaven, maybe you're one of the angels, you know, you're on God's executive staff. <laughs> and God, God says, guys, it's time for Jesus to be born. And you're one of those angels sitting there and you're like, all right, Lord, this is great. Where's he gonna be born? And is, is he gonna be born in Caesar's palace? You know, that's the greatest kingdom on earth. Or, or maybe in one of these big fancy palaces or born to a rich family somewhere. I mean, where does the son of God go to be born? Where does the creator of the universe send his son to be born? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, what did he deserve? Come on, what did he deserve? Everything. He deserved to have the finest doctors of the day. He deserved for great crowds to be standing out in the auditorium, and when he's born, like the Lion King, they come out and lift him up. I mean, you know, this is the Son of God, the creator of the universe. He was there. And where did God send his son to be born? A stable, a barn. Now, you raised your hands a minute ago, and we talked about barns and stables, and, and if they haven't been abandoned for a while and there's livestock around, what is the beautiful odor of a barn? I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's like being near a chicken house when the wind blows your direction. You know what I'm talking about? What a blessing that is. <laughs> but think about it. Can you imagine being one of the angels? Uh, say that again, Lord. What is that again? A uh, barn? 
But there's a purpose behind that. Isaiah 55 verses 8 through 9 says this. This is God talking. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And I can imagine if the angels knew in advance what was going on, they were questioning God, I don't understand this, God. And I can just see the Lord smiling and saying, my plans are greater than what you can understand in your mind. Because my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My plans are bigger than your plans. I see the beginning from the end. And there's a reason that Jesus is being born in that stable. Isaiah 53, 6 says this, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to our own way. And the Lord has laid the iniquity, the sin of us all on him, on Jesus. This was written 700 years before Jesus was born. This was a prophecy about the Messiah. And it's not a coincidence, again, that God uses language like this. He says, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned each one of us to our own way of doing things. And the Lord has laid all of our sin on Jesus, on the Lamb of God, the sacrifice. You know, Jesus is called the good shepherd. He's called the great shepherd. And there's something very interesting about shepherds. If you study them at all, shepherds stay with their sheep all the time. They don't clock out at 5 o'clock and go home and then come back the next morning. Shepherds actually live with their sheep. So if their sheep are out in the middle of nowhere, the shepherds are out in the middle of nowhere with them. The shepherd experiences everything the sheep does. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was born in a place where there were probably sheep around to experience the same thing they did, the cold, being out in the open, being exposed to the elements. God was sending a message loud enough for everybody to hear that Jesus was born in a manger to be where we are, to experience what we experience. I love this when you're, when you're reading the Christmas story. The shepherds, isn't it interesting that the angels appeared to the shepherds? They didn't appear to the kings. They didn't appear to the priests. They appeared to a bunch of shepherds out in their fields. Can you imagine what that was like? How many of you are scared of UFOs? I mean, come on. You're out there watching the sheep. Everything's cool. You're eating your shepherd pizza, you know, your shepherd pie. <laughs> and all of a sudden, all these angels show up. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were greatly afraid, which was the right answer for them. <laughs> then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring to you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. All people. How many of you are all people? Yeah, to everybody. <laughs> For there is born to you, everyone, this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest 
and on peace, on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. One phrase in there that, that sticks out to me, and this will be a sign to you. Why do we have signs? Come on, why do we have signs? Because people are stupid. <laughs> Thank you, that's interesting. Well, why do we have signs? Direction. Symbols, they show us things. They point a direction. They tell us to do something, don't they? Some of the signs we have are warnings. Some of the signs are advertisements, whatever. And, and, and the angel speaks to the shepherds and said, this will be a sign to you. You know what I think maybe the sign was? That Jesus is accessible to us. That he's accessible to us. See, if he had been born in a palace somewhere like he deserved, well, most of the people couldn't relate to that, could they? You couldn't relate to the, this, this king, this untouchable king that's off in this palace somewhere and you just kind of worship him from afar because he's the king and, and, and you don't, don't have access to him. But he's born in a manger? I mean, can you imagine what it must have been like for Jesus growing up and, and everybody's like, hey, Johnny, where were you born? I was born at Bethlehem Hospital. And where were you born? Over in Jerusalem Central Hospital. And what about you, Jesus? I was born in a manger. <laughs> I was born in a barn. Now, I've been asked before if I'd been raised in a barn. But it, nobody ever asked me if I'd been born in a barn. I really think it's because God wanted us to know that Jesus is accessible. I also think that it's an amazing thing that Jesus was born in a stable in a barn, laying in a manger, because I think that tells us all that he knows what it's like to be homeless. He knows what it's like. See, I love where the scripture tells us that Jesus was tempted in everything just like we are. He felt everything that we felt. He knows what it's like to feel loss. He knows what it's like to feel death. He knows what it's like to feel separation. He knows what it's like to feel pain. And so we have the king of the universe that's born and laid in a manger that probably looked a lot like this, a feed trough, because we can relate to him. Maybe the king in the tower I have a hard time relating to, but I was born in a hospital. He was born in a stable. See, he came to get messy, didn't he? It was messy. It was dirty. It was smelly. And I think there's a reason for that. And if you don't hear anything else today, this is that point where, hear this. Jesus was born in a messy place because he's willing to get involved in your mess. He's willing to get his hands dirty. He wasn't born in an ivory tower somewhere where he can't relate to you. He gets it. He gets it. And I want you to think about that today. Because some of you are living in a mess right now. Maybe it's a mess that you've created. Maybe it's a mess that's been thrust upon you by other people. Maybe you're in a divorce situation. Maybe you're in an abuse situation. Maybe you're, you're broke and you don't know how you're going to pay the light bill tomorrow. Maybe you're hurt in your body. 
and your life is a mess. And God sends this sign that his son's to be born in a manger so he can relate to your mess because he's not bigger than that. Wow. The brilliance of God. The brilliance of God. Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11 says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in every respect God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself, he humbled himself, and became of no reputation. He took the form of a servant, and he came in the likeness of men. You know, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus was in the upper room with his disciples and he, and he washed their feet. He washed their feet. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want anybody touching my feet. <laughs> Funny story, probably about 10 or 12 years ago, Trish was going in one day to get a pedicure. That's the feet thing, right? And she went in and she said, Chris, you've got to try this. My first thought was, if my friends ever found out I tried this, I would never live this down. But there was nobody else in there but Trish and I and some little, little Vietnamese ladies or something. And so we went over there and, and we sat down and she said, you just got to try this. I said, all right, one time. Bless those ladies' heart. I mean, they pulled my socks off and there were the bottoms of my feet. <laughs> And they started talking to each other in a language that I did not understand. You know, they're going back and forth. I know what they were saying. Crazy white boy, look at his feet. This is nasty. Kill him. Get him out of here. Why did she do this to us? We hate her. You know, I mean, I, can, I know that's what they were saying. And then they put on goggles and you know, I mean, it was sparks and, you know. <laughs> but that was my feet. Now, I want you to imagine the disciples' feet. They're wearing sandals. They're walking around on dirt roads. What do you think their feet were like? And if you really wanted to humble yourself, you washed somebody's feet because servants were the only ones that washed people's feet. And Jesus set this great example for his disciples. He went and he took their shoes off and he began to wash their feet. Wow. See, God's ways are different than our ways, aren't they? I want you to really think about this today. Because here's the big question Have you let Jesus get involved in your mess? Because here's the good news of Christmas. This is what Christmas is all about. God so loved the world that he sent his only son, the greatest gift the world has ever received for you. And you know, most people's argument about coming to Jesus is that their life is messed up. I mean, there's this lie going around that most of us have is, well, when I clean my life up, then I'll go to church. Come on, somebody, right? When I get better, 
I'll go to church. When I, when I get a little more, because then I'll be accepted, and, and then I'll reach this certain level where God will accept me. And he's going, no, 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 look back at the manger. Look back at the manger. I'm not scared to get my hands dirty. I want you to think about that for a minute. But I want to go a step beyond that today. See, one of the reasons people don't like to go to church is because they feel like everybody's better than they are or that they'll be judged. You're about to meet some brave people who are going to come in here in a second and who are going to show you a little bit of their mess. And maybe you'll be able to relate to it. Right? Remember this. He came to get messy. shame and regret but when I hear you whisper child lift up your head well I remember oh God you're not done with me yet I am redeemed 
shake off these heavy chains and wipe away every stain cause I'm not who I used to be because I don't have to be the old man inside of me cause his day is long getting gone because I've got a new name, a new life I'm not the same and a hope that has carried me home I am redeemed You set me free So I'll, I'll shake off these heavy chains and wipe away every stain Cause I'm not who I used to be I am redeemed You set me free So I'll, I'll shake off these heavy chains And wipe away every stain Cause I'm not who I used to be Cause I am redeemed You set me free So I'll, I'll shake off these heavy chains And wipe away every stain Cause I'm not who I used to be Jesus, I'm not who I used to be Anybody relate to any of this? You know, the truth is, every one of you that has accepted Jesus, you're a cardboard testimony. You know, I was telling folks the other day, the reason I didn't do it this morning is I'd have to have a refrigerator box. <laughs> he came to get messy. This is what he does, guys. He takes brokenness and fixes it. He takes heartache and turns it around. He takes deaf ears and opens them. He takes blind eyes and helps us to see. He came to set the captives free. What about you? Maybe somebody's testimony up here makes your testimony. You think, well, if God can do that for them, maybe he can do that for me. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, I just thank you today for every life that's represented here, 
for every person that's broken, every person that's suffered, for every person that maybe thinks the gift is not for them. The gift of Jesus is not for them. Today is their day. This could be the greatest Christmas they've ever had. I want you to look up at me just real quick. You see this gift in a manger. It's not a mistake, right? It's not a mistake. But the thing about gifts is they don't do any good unless you receive them. God has given you a gift. You need to receive it. You need to receive Jesus as your Lord. You need to receive his forgiveness in your life. You need to kneel at the manger, which leads to the cross, and receive that today. Bow your heads real quick. If you're here today, and you've got a cardboard testimony, but maybe it's only one side. Maybe it's all the pain and hurt and loss and all fill in the blanks for you. But today, you want to receive the gift of Jesus. Today, you want to turn it all around. Today, you want to have the other side of your testimony filled in. Today, you want to receive Jesus. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. If you're here anywhere this morning, you say, Pastor, I need to receive that gift. Amen. Let's all do this together this morning. Put, everybody put your hands on your hearts this morning couple people lifted their hands and we need to all pray this together, right? Let's just repeat this after me. Say, say, Lord Jesus, thank you for coming for me. I know you lived and you died and you rose again. You took my sin. Lord, I'm sorry for what I've done. Today, I receive you as my Savior and my Lord. Today, I give you my mess. You can have it. Thank you. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big hand. Come on. We're going to do one more thing today. If the ushers will come forward, Monica and her team, we're going to pass out some lights to everybody. Because the candlelight service isn't any good without candlelight. You got it. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to hand these lights out to you. And when I tell you, I want you to turn them on, but not before then, Jack. <laughs> now wait till everybody gets one, and then we'll turn the lights out. I've got one. You guys have one? I think I've got one. You don't have one? Who doesn't have one? Everybody have a light? Thanks, God.
Clint. I need to get one for Joe. I'd give Joe one of mine, but it has my car keys and I'll never see it again. And I, I... Thanks, Rick. Son and Trevor, the two lighting their lights up. That's, that's about right. Does everybody have a light? All right, let's turn the lights off. You know, the story of Christmas is that the light of the world came, and that was Jesus, wasn't it? And when we receive him, that light comes in us. Jesus said, now you are the light of the world. You are a city on a hill. And in really dark places, when we let our light shine, people look to the light of Jesus that's in us, don't they? Let's all hold our lights up. When I count to three, we'll all turn them on. One, two, three, go. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Sing away in the manger again, Dwight. Keep your lights up there. to do. If you're going to be back tonight, I want you to take your light and I want you to drop it and give it to the ushers on the way out because we want to make sure we have enough for our guests. Here's what I want you to do. Invite somebody to come back tonight. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have a great service. We've got some things planned that are going to be awesome. But drop these off and uh, we'll make sure we hand them out again tonight. Make sure you get to keep one. If we run out, because I know some of you are going to want to hoard them. If we run out, we'll order some more, okay? So I'll make sure everybody gets the light. Let's drop these off. 
and we'll see you back tonight. Amen. If you're involved in the service tonight, make sure you stay in here. God bless you. High five three people as you leave this morning. Good job. Check, check. Okay. All right, if you're staying to help tonight, if you'll work your way down here real quick. Barbie, did you want to handle this or Monica? Good deal. Thank you, guys. All righty. Okay, just real quick. All right, so a couple things.
just real quick, for those of you that are going to be involved tonight, thank you for staying. I'm going to turn this over to Barbie for a second. But before we do that.